Welcome to Narratives and Nightcaps, the book club podcast where we dive into the details of a novel, pair it with a fitting nightcap, and leave a little review when all is said and done. I'm Bree. And I'm Megan. Welcome. Welcome to the holidays. I am so freaking ready for it, I think. Like, Same. at first I was like, oh, I want, I want fall, I want my seasons, and now... Honestly, it's, it is outrageous. The amount of people that already have Christmas lights up and on. And I'm, I was at first, I was like, um, that's not it. But then Kyle and I were like, you know, maybe we'll put our lights up. too. (laughs) Maybe we'll start working on some things too. Yeah. My tree is up. I mean, as of this recording, it is early November, but my first tree is up. The second one is still in process. Uh, but you know, I'm all for fall. I love fall, but I think, you know what, if a little extra jolliness is what you need, then do it. It doesn't mean you're not loving fall or anything like that. You're just doing it with some lights and some Christmas decorations and there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. So here we are. We're going to be reading or getting into, we've already read, one day in December by Josie Silver, uh, which I wrote in my notes, like her name alone just sounds like Christmas. Josie Silver. I was like, oh, how jolly. <laughs> it really does. It's very fitting that this is a holiday book with her name. Um, I don't know that her other books are so holiday-ish I don't know I haven't read them but I feel like she could be one of those authors that just only releases Christmas novels oh for sure and and she has several I think she does have one other Christmas novel that I wrote in the end um well maybe it's not Christmas specific but she does have a book called A Winter in New York so okay another kind of I'm assuming holiday vibe type of novel I would say so winter-esque Yes. Okay. Well, for your holiday reads or holiday parties, we have a great nightcap. Also just, you know, tipping our hat to some of the characters in this book. So we are drinking cranberry lemon drop martinis. Um, I made a, a baby one because. I, yeah. Okay. But they're pretty. Look how beautiful got, and red they are. I got stuff to do, but like, here's a baby one. So cheers. Cheers. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that there is a very, 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 very simple way to make this. And every bartender or like someone that has more time is probably going to hate me for that. Um, And you know what? While you're baking or cooking or preparing anything for the holidays, go for it and make the it's not even complicated we've done it before I'll get to it anywho if you want to make a simple version it's literally three ingredients it's a quarter cup vodka or citrus vodka if you have some a quarter cup cranberry juice or if you're making a mini one like me you just kind of did equal parts and then two tablespoons of lemon juice you pour all of that over ice in your shaker shake it and then serve it in your martini glass and it is it's so festive and red you could garnish that with like lemon or some cranberries if you have them so if you're feeling like it too instead of cranberry juice you can actually make a cranberry simple syrup which is I think that's the recipe I first saw was the cranberry simple syrup but then I saw you posted this like super easy one and I was like 
done yeah. even better. I, even better. I don't have time. I would yeah. love. To. <laughs> I would love to, but yeah. So you can do like crap uh, ch chopped cranberries in, um, with like water and sugar, and basically put that in a pot simmer all of that and then you would need to strain that and to get like the chunks and stuff out because you don't really want like a chunky martini that would be mm -hmm. kind of gross um but if you have a cranberry simple syrup you would use that instead of cranberry juice uh but cranberry juice is just a lot easier and so there you have it that's our drink so easy and I was also thinking too like if you wanted to do more Christmas colors you could do like a sprig of rosemary or something with it yeah. too to give it that like red and green festive if, if you had cranberries on hand with just a sprig of rosemary both of those together that would be perfect well so I've done this with mules but I've done like frozen cranberries and then use mm -hmm. those as like your ice cubes so it yeah. keeps you cold but it's also festive so that's another another option for anyone mm -hmm looking for options. I, I put ice in my glass. I'm not, I don't know if I was supposed to or not, but I did. So not technically, but I think that that's fine. <laughs> I'm a Midwesterner. Okay. I, I chill my drinks. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> we don't care. Okay. So just diving into the author, Josie really quickly. Um, she lives in England with her husband and two sons and their cat. Um, she is the author of several New York times bestsellers, um, one of which is also called, so obviously a day in December. And then the other one is the two lives of Lydia Bird, which sounded so intriguing. Um, and if you go to her website, she has like really brief synopses of each novel that she's written and she has four available. So if you wanted to just browse and see if any strike your fancy, you absolutely can. Um, I, so I found a lot, a little bit of information about her from her website, josiesilver.com. And then I also found a really cool interview that she did with Travel and Write Today, which I have linked. Um, and it was just kind of, I thought it was really cool because it really asks a lot of questions that we like to ask our author interviews as well. So I pulled out a couple that I thought were really interesting um, that they asked her about. So including, you know, her writing style, her process, all of that. But um, one thing was that she entered into a writing contest with Mills and Boone, which I think is a pretty larger publishing company in um, the UK. And she won second place with that writing contest, which ultimately led her, launched her writing career. So she'd always been a writer, but it wasn't until she had joined that contest that she was like, okay, I actually have stuff out there that like people could notice. I mean, she got second place, which is huge. Um, second, just like Allison Larkin, who we talked to, um, she likes to create a Spotify playlist to correspond with her writing, which I always think is such a cool idea to get your head, especially like Allison, she talked a lot about like visualizing it as a movie and almost having it as a soundtrack. So that's, I'm curious if that's also what she does is kind of have that as a soundtrack to the novel. And then the third, um, was a piece of advice that she offered to other authors, um, one of them is enter contests, connect via social media, and join forums just as different ways to connect with other authors and put yourself out there, ask for advice, give advice, just kind of continue to better yourself and your process and your style. So that was some interesting stuff about Josie. 
Very cool. I, I do love it when the authors do Spotify playlists, which I mean, I think about that too, even when, when I write or just sometimes like, do you ever hear a song and you're like, oh man, like this would have gone so well in this movie. Or if they ever turned this book into a movie, like yeah. this should be the opening credits or the closing credits. I do that too, for sure. Especially like if I'm listening to music as I'm reading I feel like I'll pick up on both and be like, oh my gosh, out of nowhere, this song just like fits perfectly with this scene or this portion or whatever. Cause I like, I, I feel like I like to listen and read at the same time, which some people find hard to do, but I, I feel like I'm able to do both. And so I just kind of am able to pluck out those little soundtracks and, and things to add to the book too. It definitely just depends on the music for me and the day yeah. probably. In the day. Yeah, that's fine. Um, So the writing style of this particular novel is point of view in the perspective of our two main characters, Jack O'Mara and Lori James. So they will be the ones that we hear all about. I love dual point of view. Yes, it makes it such a fast read too. I feel like we've talked about this so many times. Like every time you have multiple character inputs, it just makes the book fly because you get all of the perspective you see everything and it just you can't put it down um our book setting is in London which we've been covering a lot of London recently so I try to find some maybe different facts that we haven't heard yet um but also I'm like how do English authors know romance so well because I feel like every book has either been romance or mystery coming from the UK so our next book is too unintentional (laughs) Yes. yes. They just, they like have the setting, especially when it comes to a winter romance. Yes. Like, it's just a perfect setting. I don't know. So. But anyway. I feel like it's also the perfect setting when it comes to like horror and mystery, because it's always so overcast yeah. and rainy and like this spooky vibe too. So they've got both going on. Um, So a few of my facts I found all from the same source. It's authenticeurope.com, travel tips about the UK. We will link that. But um, one, so I pulled out four interesting facts from here. So one is that Brits collectively drink 100 million cups of coffee per day. Cups of coffee or cups of tea? Uh, Cups of tea. Cups of tea. Cups of tea. (laughs) Edit that. Cups of tea. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out they're huge coffee drinkers. (laughs) Everything we know about the UK right out the window. They all love coffee. No, 100 million cups of tea per day. Wow. Yeah, which is insane. I literally only know a handful of tea drinkers in my life, period. So to think that like an entire country solely relies on tea is insane. Same. And most of the tea drinkers I know, I will say drink like tea lattes, Mm, mm -hmm. not just like good old tea from yeah. the stove top. Right. Yes. So this is big time. Uh, the second fact is um, postage, postage stamps. Wow, I can't talk. Originated in the UK, which maybe we've covered that before, but I always, that's a fun fact to bring up. Um, so here's a direct quote. In May 1840, the first stamp was issued in the UK and it was called the Penny Black featuring Queen Victoria on it. Why is it called the Penny Black? What does that mean? 
I don't know. They didn't really go into detail on that part. It was okay. just, well, look it up if you <laughs> want to know more. That's right. This is what they wanted to call it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, then the third fact is that um, the UK slash I think London specifically has one of the longest running performances in the St. Martin's Theater. It is Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. And it has been running as a performance since 1952. So it's been running for over 70 years now at this point. And it's just on repeat, baby. What? Yeah. Apparently this is, if AuthenticEurope.com is factual, this is a fact. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Wow. That's a very long time. Yes. And then um, I kind of wanted to end on a gross fact, apparently. I don't know why. Um, but I thought this was kind of funny and interesting. The U.S. banned the import of haggis due to safety concerns in the 70s and they've never like taken that back so like it's still banned um because the u.s doesn't think that lungs should be consumed so haggis is comprised of sheep components so it's a sheep belly stuffed with sheep liver heart and lungs as well as like spices onions broth etc and like when you look at it it kind of looks like ground beef really but it's it's all of these sheep components. And the US said that the lungs they felt contained too much bacteria. So like the FDA or like the food healthy, whatever, food and health, I don't know what they're called. What are they called? The Food and Drug Administration? Yeah, FDA. Okay. <laughs> the FDA banned it because they felt that the bacteria was too unsanitary or like likely to cause illness or ha bodily harm. So it was banned. You can't get haggis in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I am too. Like once I read what it was, I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. Plus I'm now okay. It's, it's an experience. If you go somewhere else and you order haggis, you can be like, oh man, I literally can't get this in the U.S. But now that I know what it is, I don't want it. Right. But if you didn't know what it was and you tried it, that would be fun. <laughs> true true all right should we dive should we just dive in I'm so excited okay um so I broke this up it was easiest for me to do this by years because we go through a span of my gosh nine years in this book so it was just easier for me to do it this way kicking off with 2008 Lori is on a bus on her way home from her shitty reception job at a hotel that she absolutely hates when she sees him. We don't know who he is, only that they make eye contact and are like trying to communicate to each other through the bus window, but neither of them is really able to get off or on the bus. Like there's this moment of hesitation. They can't quite make it all work. And then the bus drives away. And for Lori, this was love at first sight. How did you feel in this moment? <laughs> I mean, I mean, cliche. I feel like there was a lot of things that could have been done to like make it happen. Um, I also don't know the London bus situation, but it sounds like she was on like a double decker. I don't know if maybe that's harder to get off of. I don't know. I just, I felt like maybe more could have happened or like yelling out the window or something but what do I know I will say and I love romance 
it was even a little cheesy for me. Like, really? Yeah. Like the whole, I don't know, just, well, I like tropes. Everyone else can calm down. Like when when they say that I like them, I think they're there for a reason. And there's a reason we all like them. Love at first sight is like, not my favorite. And normally I like all of them, but it just, it felt even like a little cheesy to me. Like, don't get me wrong. I still like it and I'm good with it and I'm on board. Like I'm on board with this, but it just felt a little bit like touching the glass window. Like, Oh no, it's just a little too much for me. I was like, okay, I don't know. We couldn't have had some other like weird run in. So yeah, I feel like the idea is like, clearly you see someone I, I believe in lust at first sight, like, oh damn, they're hot. But like, I don't think this whole love thing is, and like the crazy thing is going to give the whole book away, but like to be in love with someone for nine years and like not really know them or like just make that connection off of a bus stop that never, like you never communicated nothing. Like to me, that is a little far-fetched, but we ease into it. We get, we get there, we get some points are made, some things are learned. So Yep. <laughs> that's whole that's the whole span of 2008 right there. There we go. Uh, there we go. Okay. 2009. Lori has created New Year's resolutions to quote find busboy. This is what she's calling him and to quit her shitty reception job. She and her best friend slash roommate, Sarah, have had countless days and nights spent talking about and searching for busboy in virtually every guy that they see. Lori, or Lou, as Sarah calls her, is feeling frustrated, but they vow that they won't give up on this search. Like, every guy is like, oh, it could be him, it could be him. They spend an October weekend together redoing their apartment um, with the talk that Lori's love life is dead because no one has compared to busboy yet yet is the keyword sarah and lori uh, are hosting their annual christmas party in their apartment and sarah has a friend named david that she's going to set lori up with but she also wants lori to meet the guy that she's been seeing and claims that this guy is her future husband so she's also like head over heels for this guy they make their famous housemate sandwiches and reflect on the first time that they met each other as roommates then as at the party, Sarah finally introduces Lori to Jack O'Mara, but it is quickly realized that Jack is busboy. And instead of falling for Lori, he has fallen for Sarah. Jack stays the night at Sarah and Lori's, finding himself awake with Lori at the same time. And they have this like weird exchange, like both of them clearly overthinking and overanalyzing everything that they're saying to each other. Because Sarah or Lori knows who he is to her, but she doesn't know if he knows that. Uh, and then they head into their separate rooms. Lori can't bring herself to tell Sarah that Jack is the bus boy that she's been pining after for a year. So she harbors all of her resentment internally and tries to play the role of supportive friend instead. Okay, but. <laughs> okay. Hold on. We're never going to get through this book. (laughs) No, it's okay. There's a lot to be said. (laughs) Okay, so she's playing the role of supportive friend, but like kudos to Sarah for being a supportive friend for a year 
while your friend searched after a guy that she saw for 30 seconds once Mm -hmm. and like Sarah was like hey that's the love of your life girl I am on board I'm here for you like she supported her for a year searching for a stranger what a good friend yes and I so like I want your opinion on this as my best friend but like how would you do you think that you would tell me or like you know hypothetical like if you were if that was the one because that that obviously does come up in the book leader but it's like do you tell them okay I don't so I've thought about this I'm like what would I do um I I would say I'm still torn so like Part of me likes to think that I would just come and say like, hey, remember Busboy? Like you happened to be dating him. But even like that sounds crazy. If then your friend is like, what are the chances? Like, are you serious? Right. Like you saw him for 30 seconds. Um, but then another part of me. OK, so going back to the whole love at first sight, like I I agree. Like, I think lust at first sight can happen. I do think that there can be like instant connections with people although seeing them from a distance I don't really know that I'm totally behind that but like if it's happened to you then cool 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 um and so I guess I would probably chalk it up to like okay he's with her now like there's no point in me bringing it up like it must have just been like a lust at first sight type of thing and now he's with her and there's not really any point in me saying anything right so I don't know. Do you feel differently? I know. I think I feel the same because it's either you bring it up casually because either way she, if, if Sarah's a good friend and like realizes this after you tell her, then she's either going to like break up with him or be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it. Ask if it's okay to be with them if that's what she wants. Or she's going to ignore you and like disregard the fact that that's who you've been looking at for a year if she's not as good of a friend and date him anyway. So it's really a lose-lose. Like she she might still be with him whether you say something or not. The only thing is like, then would Lori not be her friend anymore if she told her and then Sarah continued to date him? I don't know. Because, but to me, like at that point, you can see that he's happy with your friend. Like just let it go. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I think I would do. And I would just be like, it's probably just better if I keep this to myself. Like, it's not like she dated him and is keeping that a secret. Like right. I, I would be, I would more just like want my friend to be happy and my initial lust feelings aren't, there's no substance behind any of those. Mm-hmm. So I would just probably let it go. I also, I wouldn't want my friend to break up with the boy for me just because I said hey that's bus boy from a year ago who I had no actual relationship with because then is my friend going to resent me because she broke up with the boy that she really cared about and Mm -hmm. then as a friend like if they broke up I'm not going to go date him two seconds later to be like wow thanks for breaking up with (laughs) bus boy you know I've really pined after him for a year like that's not good for your friendship yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, it really is kind of a lose, lose, no matter what, you know, because either they're going to stay together and Lori will always feel jealous. Or like you said, it's not like Lori's going to turn, like they're both going to lose out on this potential guy. If, if Lori were to say something too. So yeah, it's, it's just a weird situation to be in. 
But I really do feel like a lot of drama could have been avoided if something would have just been said. <laughs> yes, but I do feel like this for a fiction novel was the realistic path. Yes. Yes. Okay. 2010. So now we are back to, so I will say this up front. Every year, Lori gives her New Year's resolutions. So 2010 resolutions. She is going to find a job working for a magazine because she's always wanted to be in like the writing publishing kind of sphere. And she is going to fall out of love with the boy from the bus stop. Lori has been doing her best to avoid seeing Jack at all, but her luck has kind of run out when he is invited over for movies and pizza. Jack and Lori have a few moments together while Sarah is out grabbing wine. And Jack is then stuck watching Twilight with the girls and feels this like moment of panic. But it's almost like he has to convince himself, like this panic of, of losing who he convinces is Sarah. But I also think the undertone is he's a little scared to lose Lori too. Um, Lori's in, uh, in for Valentine's night. So we're skipping around a couple months here, but Lori's in for a Valentine's night while Jack and Sarah are out to dinner, but they return early after Sarah gets way too drunk on champagne, which good for her. I love that. Um, they have Lori and Jack have this other moment together talking and getting to know each other as Sarah's passed out in the room next door. And Lori brings up her deceased sister and falls asleep next to Jack on the couch. Lori wakes up in a panic and kind of like is rethinking her whole night when she realizes that nothing like really immoral happened between her and Jack. Like she kind of wakes up in this drunken, like, oh my God, what did I say? What did I do? Nothing ended up happening. She's starting to remember that they just talked. She may have fallen asleep on his shoulder, but not a big deal. Um, but more than anything, she's a little upset that it took just some cheap wine for her to like really open up and fall for Jack and let her guard down because she's been trying so hard to keep it all in. In June, it's Lori's birthday and Sarah has a whole Greece themed birthday party day planned, which I freaking love. That I want to awesome. do this. This yes. is epic. I love Greece. First of all, I love yes. that. This day sounds epic and like what a good friend. Yes, what an awesome friend. She has outfits for them. Like everyone is in costume, fit to play whatever role they need to play. So they basically go to this Greece convention, but it's like a movie setting at the same time. Like I don't even know how to describe it. The book does it best. Um, and they join Jack and his friend at this place. Um, but quickly the best birthday party turns into the worst when Lori receives a call that her dad has had a heart attack. A few months later, Lori and Jack run into each other Christmas shopping. They spend time looking at something for Sarah, then go to warm up in a bar. Lori is, again, drinking, so this might be a little bit of her problem, but she's feeling vulnerable when speaking to Jack about everything going on with her dad's heart attack, um, how the family's coping, how she's coping. Things get a little emotional and a little alcohol-fueled, when Lori leans in to kiss him. Jack tries to gently let her down and she ends up like feeling embarrassed and ashamed and like leaves the bar. He is this runs where she brings up to is this where she brings up that like she asks him about yes. do you have okay. Yes. She asks him like 
which is also part of why she's feeling embarrassed. Like, do you remember the first time we met? And he was like, oh, at your guys' Christmas party? And she's like, no, first time we met. And he says to himself, will not actually say out loud that he remembers. So he runs out of the bar after her and they do share a kiss in the snow when it's revealed that Jack actually does remember Lori from the bus stop, but he does not ever tell her that in person. We've reached problem area. Yeah, we've reached the the black and white zone of you don't cross those boundaries when you're your best friend's boyfriend, Christmas shopping. You don't do any of those things. <laughs> uh, now it is 2011, New Year's resolutions. Never, ever kiss best friend's boyfriend again. And she's going to seal Jack away as toxic in her mind, which I feel like she did last year and that didn't really work out. So good luck to you this year, Lori, of making that happen. Jack is full of guilt from this kiss and just feels like a ticking time bomb. Like everything that Sarah says to him, he's like, oh God, does she know? Like he's just completely on edge. And he is waiting for the opportunity to talk to Lori about what happened because they haven't spoken since. Lori also feels guilty, but isn't willing to tell Sarah what went down because of what Brie and I just talked about. Like, you're going to lose your friendship. You're going to lose a lot by bringing up this one thing. However, that was then, that, that was, was before anything physical happened. Yeah, I was going to say, that was pre-kiss. Yes. Post-kiss, now you look like a shitty friend and a yep. shitty person. So. Well, you've officially hit that level, so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she, Lori spends New Year's alone. Um, Jack and Sarah are out doing their New Year's thing. Um, and then a few weeks later, Jack and Lori still haven't talked about what happened between the two of them. And it's only when Lori finds him in their kitchen drinking alone that they speak. And they both like mutually acknowledge how guilty they feel but they know that it's not worth losing their relationship with Sarah over this mistake. Sarah and Lori are moving out of their place on Delancey Street after five years of living together. Sarah has gotten a new job in television and Lori can't really afford the rent on her own. So she's actually going to head to Thailand for a while and then move in with her parents until she finds a place of her own. So after her dad has a heart attack, they, her, her dad and mom, like, have this, like, you know, coming to Jesus of, like, life is worth living, and they give each of their kids some money, and for some reason, Lori's like, I'm gonna go to Thailand with it, so that's what she does. <laughs> In September, Lori heads off on her solo adventure, and by October, she has settled in a spot called Kolipi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's in this place that she meets a man named Oscar. And they spend the day together drinking and swimming. And after only knowing each other for a day, he asks her to marry him. And then he goes on to ask her to marry him almost every day after that. Kind of like as their running joke. But also, I think maybe they have a love at first sight thing going on. In December, Sarah writes to Lori from Australia with a PS stating, quote, Jack says to say hi. And that's 2011. Oh, my. I will say. I do appreciate in a sense, like, 
for a winter holiday romance story, like this is very complex, but also feels like it could really happen. Yeah. And there are just a lot of layers going on and a lot of different dynamics. And now you throw in Oscar, um, which, yeah, I didn't even think about that, but it's definitely a love at first sight thing for him. So yeah. heavy theme on the love at first sight. To me, the whole like asking him to marry her, it was I was also like, that's a little bit of a red flag. Yes. Like, I, I know he, too. I know he's joking, but but do you know he's joking? <laughs> you don't because we only know that until after, you know? It's an orange flag. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just it's something that if it were to happen to me, I think I would be very put off by it. Same. I would be like, nah, dude, we've known each other for 24 hours. I'm good. Um, Yeah, I'd be a little bit freaked out by it, just especially if I'm in a different country by myself. And now this random guy is like constantly asking yeah. me to marry him. But I mean, I, I feel like maybe there is some sense of like, oh, we're both from London. Like there's that common ground. But yeah, then it's like, man, I am in a remote location with a dude I've only known for one day. I don't know if anyone's going to help me if something happens. Right. <laughs> it gets a little questionable. All right. 2012, New Year's resolutions, start a new job and publishing, Oscar, and giving false eyelashes another go. I like that for her. It's like job, career, romance, fake lashes. Oscar Ogilvy Black comes from a wealthy family that Lori is trying to make a good impression on. It is such a British name. Oh, it's such, yes. And like, and hyphenated too. I was like, oh yeah. my God, very regal. <laughs> um, his mother is cold, but Lori is hopeful that she will eventually come around to liking her. Things are really heating up between Oscar and Lori, and she is frequenting his apartment regularly for sex. They just bang all the time. <laughs> Jack and Sarah are running late to meet Oscar and Lori for the first time and there is an edge in Jack and Sarah's relationship now I said likely due to how long they've been together like it's been a couple of years the the lust the honeymoon phase is kind of starting to wear off especially as they're both advancing in their careers but in their exchange you can hear like some of the the tension going on um, Oscar is trying to make a good impression by inviting them to this, like, I said a club, but it's like kind of like a country club. Like it's a, it's a up, up level kind of place. It's upscale. Yes. Um, and he invites them there for drinks. It's obvious right away that Jack is standoffish and seemingly very protective of Lori as the night continues. Like right away, he's like, F you, Oscar, I'm not, like, he just doesn't even try to be kind or courteous in any way. Uh, Lori confronts Jack outside of the restrooms and asks him to knock it off, but it's clear that there is tension still between Jack and Lori. Um, Jack decides that then, you know, after this conversation that Lori has moved on, slash he says grown up, and he should too. In May, Lori receives the news that she has been selected to write for a teen magazine and will finally be able to join Sarah and Oscar in London instead of living with her parents in the out, out of town area. <laughs> I don't really know where it is, but out, outside of the London city area. 
Uh, to celebrate the new job, Oscar buys Lori a new tote bag and officially asks her to move in with him. She agrees, but basically on the pretense that it's only temporary until she can get her own place. When has that ever worked out? <laughs> That's not how that She's happens. not moving out. She's not no. moving out anytime soon. <laughs> Uh, Jack is working late at his job, radio production slash DJing. He works for a radio program and has told Sarah that he'd meet her at Oscar and Lori's dinner um, or Oscar and Lori's apartment for their dinner party. Oscar's brother and sister-in-law are also in attendance. But when Jack is over an hour late and there's no call from him, Sarah is just getting pissed and like low-key talking some shit. Like they pretty sure they call him a shithead and just things are not going well, especially when it's like all couples. And then it's just Sarah by herself, like waiting for her boyfriend to show up. Um, Sarah is, like I said, very upset about all of this, but finally receives a devastating phone call. Jack has been in a terrible accident and is in the hospital. Jack is alive, but he has to spend time in the ICU. And Lori has taken to praying for his recovery but also visits him very frequently. So she was like, I'm not really religious, but I'm going to pray for this one. <laughs> uh, out of the hospital, Jack is angry. He's lost the hearing in one of his ears, uh, which ultimately led him to be let go from his job because you can't really DJ if you can't really hear. Um, he's agitated and he takes a lot of that frustration out on Sarah. Sarah turns to Lori as her confidant and asks if she would be able to check in on Jack while she's at her sister's bachelorette party. Um, just, you know, she's like, I, I got to get out of here. I'm going to take this trip. Lori, just be a pal, check in on him. Lori agrees, but uh, when she makes the visit to Jack, he is bitter and he's hurtful. I mean, he's like straight up an asshole to her. He is mean. He attempts to kiss Lori in like a really vengeful way. Like, oh, this is what you came here for, right? Like, the girlfriend's gone, come and get your, you know, kicks, whatever. And then ends up breaking the necklace that Oscar had given her before she runs out of the apartment. Jack orders apology flowers for both Sarah and Lori, and it kind of helps change his way of thinking. Um, he wants to try, he wants to pull himself together. Um, you know, he stops taking his pain medication. He's kind of just trying to get on the mend. Oscar suggests to Lori that maybe Jack needs a fresh start in a new city, but Lori tries to find excuses for him not to leave, like, their, you know, Jack and Sarah's relationship wouldn't work and blah, 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 but Oscar's like, she can commute, they're grownups, it could all happen, so it just seems like Lori is trying to find these reasons to hang on. Uh, then Lori and Oscar return to talking about Oscar's job at the bank and how much work has going, been going on, and they end the night cuddled together in bed, so Things are going well for Oscar and Lori, but Jack is just kind of this little wench in their relationship. He is, and like, well, one, he really does suck in this instance. Although, yeah, he gone, he's gone through something super traumatic. And I kind of feel like the way he takes it out on Sarah is because maybe they weren't as compatible as they started out and like yeah. there's already issues in their relationship it doesn't justify him being a total dick to right her or to Lori um and yeah the way he treats Lori I'm that's something that you think ooh, that's you might not come back from that yeah yeah it, it was just it was so 
I mean, and I want to say a lot of it, like, obviously he's frustrated because he can't function the way he used to, you know, like, especially when you're recovering from something and you're so used to being strong and independent and capable and to lose that capability and have to rely on other people obviously made him in this instance, very agitated, but yeah, the way that he treated Lori as though, I mean, I know that I hate to say this, but like, as if she were kind of a side piece, like, oh, didn't you come here for this? Didn't you want sex with me or whatever? And she's like, dude, I came here as a friend. I came here to check on you. I came here as a favor to my best friend. I'm in a healthy, happy relationship. Like, don't put this on me. And I just, it was so shitty that he did that. So I was shocked when she was, she, when Lori hadn't thrown the flowers away is what surprised me. Cause I would have. Like, yeah. This I did particularly like the scene of him in the flower shop where he's getting the exact same floral arrangement and yeah. the lady working just kind of gives him the side eye about, are you sure? Yeah. Like, what oh, what? It? what two ladies are you seeing at the same time? <laughs> it's a good scene. It's a good scene. It's a good scene. And the florist is also like super, like you said, side-eye, but very sassy. Like, yeah. what did you do? <laughs> uh, all right. 2013. The only resolution this year is to not fall overboard on the ship. That is Lori's life. Girl, we've okay. all been there. We yeah. all have. <laughs> yeah. Just, just. Just keep sailing, sister. We all have these years. It's, you know what? It makes you stronger. I. <laughs> yeah. Hey, for me, that was probably uh, 2020. <laughs> Just keep your life together. <laughs> uh, Sarah and Lori are preparing to host a surprise party for Oscar's birthday when he returns from his business trip in Brussels. She spots a, Lori spots a suspect text on Sarah's phone from someone named Luke, who was actually the man that was kind of like first on the scene for Jack's accident. I think he was the one that ultimately called Sarah to let her know what happened and maybe also called the ambulance for Jack. It just, he was there. He saw what happened and he was there. Sarah plays it off that they just kind of occasionally text and like have stayed in touch since the accident, but the text was a little, as I said, suspect. Jack is late again, but this time he actually comes to the party and he is reflecting on the fact that he and Sarah are slowly drifting apart. And it may be not so slow. I think it's been kind of inevitably happening. Sarah's phone has been blowing up with texts from Luke and Jack is now aware and also suspicious. Oscar arrives at his party where he is thoroughly surprised, but also has a surprise for Lori. He proposes. So sweet. <laughs> After what a year of him asking her to marry him every day, she finally does it. Yeah, I didn't think she was going to say yes. I didn't either. Not with Jack at that party. Mm -mm. Nope. I, I was like, she's definitely going to say no. Well, because in my head, I was like, if she says yes, you know she's going to, like, somehow she has to get with Jack. You are rooting for them despite the circumstances. Right. You are rooting for them to get together in some way, shape, or form. And I'm like, if she says yes to Oscar, then how is she going to say yes to Jack? I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> well, we'll get there. I'll tell you how it works. Okay. Jack and Sarah are, um, you know, outside of this engagement. The engagement happened privately, which I also appreciated. Like, it was just a moment between the two of them, which was kind of nice. Um, so outside of this, Jack and Sarah are talking about 
the texts and reality finally hits Jack and Sarah in a way that they both knew was coming, but they also didn't think it would, um, that their relationship was over. It's, it's run its course. Things are not what they used to be. You know, they both feel like they're not with the person that they had once thought they were, so on and so forth. So things end. A little while later, later, Sarah is at Lori's, still pretty upset over her breakup, but really asks that Lori remain Jack's friend. So to me, like poor Sarah is obviously in the dark about all of this crap. And it's like, she's unintentionally still forcing this relationship on Lori and Jack by asking them to remain friends. It's just, it's mind blowing to me. In April, they are wedding dress shopping, but it goes wrong when the bridal consultant asks for Lori to picture her dream man waiting for her in her dress. So she finds this beautiful dress. She's trying it on. And, you know, as bridal consultants do, we've both been through this. It's like, picture who you're going to walk down the aisle to. And it's supposed to make you cry tears of happiness because you're walking down to your husband. And in this case, it ended up in tears of I don't know, regret maybe, because the only man that Lori could picture was Jack, and that's not who she's marrying. Which now I'm like, okay, you call off your engagement. Right. Like, clearly you're not in love with him. Yeah, like, okay, you you said yes, we can get past that, but now you call off your engagement. Yeah. Yeah, that, that should have been the sign. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, Oh, then a little, a little while after this, she doesn't end up buying the dress that day, but Jack accidentally bumps into Lori window shopping when she finds the perfect vintage wedding dress and tries it on. So funny how that circumstance occurs where Jack is the first one to see her in her wedding dress. I just thought that was a little bit, I don't know. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but just like, what are the odds? Uh, they then walk to a cafe after drinking coffee, because I think we all know what alcohol does to the two of them, um, to celebrate the, finding the dress where Jack tells Lori that he's actually gotten a job in Scotland and he is leaving that day. He tells her he loves her and gives her a hat that they had once found shopping together years ago when they were actually shopping for Sarah's Christmas present all that while back. In December, Lori is two days away from her wedding. Sarah has come over for, you know, her maid of honor hangouts. They're just kind of winding down before all the family stuff happens. And they're, you know, getting mani petties or having a spa night, etc. Lori gives Sarah a bracelet made out of a brooch that is the color of her late sister's eyes. And it makes both girls emotional. We know that um, Lori lost her sister at a very young age. And it basically, Sarah is the next best sister that she's ever had. Um, so they both get, you know, emotional. And then the they go on to play this game with questions about relationships and weddings that takes a turn for the extreme negative when it is finally revealed to Sarah that Jack was busboy all along and Lori never told her. To make matters worse, it is also revealed that she and Jack had kissed while Sarah and Jack were in a relationship. This is the terrible climax of this book. It really <laughs> is. I mean, it's, it's very, <laughs> it's really sad. It is. It's, you, 
just like the betrayal that Sarah must have felt like, of course you have to know that this is coming because this is a, a romantic book, but I just, I don't think I expected it to be that bad to where like Sarah's like, get me out of your life. I don't, you're a shit friend. I don't want to be part of, I mean, understandably so, but like, I don't want to be part of your life anymore. Yeah. And right before her wedding. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it is very understandable, but it is still devastating. And like, I hate seeing the breakup of friendship. That's just. Right. So it's one thing for like it to be a relationship breakup, especially if it's not like the best relationship, but yeah, to lose a friend. I mean, they've been friends and roommates for freaking years now. And so to lose all of that over this one stupid game where like, if you could walk it back, you know, you wouldn't have drawn that card. You wouldn't have answered. You would have, you know, all these woulda, coulda, shoulda things that happen or didn't happen. Um, as we kind of stated, uh, Sarah storms out of the apartment and does not attend the wedding. She like makes it known, bitch, I will not be there. Jack, however, does attend the wedding and sees Lori walking down to greet Oscar, which makes his heart break. It doesn't say his heart break, but it says something in him breaks. And I have to assume it's his heart. It's, his heart. <laughs> it's not like he broke a leg watching Lori walk down the aisle. And his lung broke. <laughs> Uh, Lori's wedding ultimately goes off without a hitch. She makes an excuse that Sarah had a family emergency, which is why she's not there. But when it comes for toasts and Sarah's not there to toast to her, Jack is the one who steps up and makes a speech, making everyone both laugh and cry. I think a lot of women felt jealous. I feel like a lot of women wished they were Lori hearing those words. Uh, And Jack's wedding date, Verity, and I was like, oh, what? Are these related books somehow? <laughs> like, not a common name. No. Whatsoever. How eerie is that? So Jack State Verity is very upset by this speech as well. Um, and, like, it's obvious that he still has feelings for Lori. But ultimately, it's Oscar who questions if there was anything that happened between Lori and Jack. And if she's actually happy to be with him, like on their wedding day, he has to ask that. That's not good. No, it's not. It's not good at all. Okay. On one hand, I'm like, wow, like kudos to Jack for really stepping up in a time of need. He knew it too, but it was like, maybe you should have dialed back on some of the emotion. Yes. Well, I got, I got his intention of like, what are things that Sarah would have said? Yeah. But then he goes off the cuff and says things that he feels. And that's where it went awry. (laughs) Um, Lori hopes that her and Oscar's honeymoon is to Thailand since that's where they first met. And then they spend their wedding day and evening together. It sounds quite romantic. And that's how we end 2013. She's married. I know. She's married to the wrong guy. <laughs> oh, I love this book. Okay. See, this is where I, I think I was like, maybe not quite this far along, but when I saw you and I was like, I think this book is going to frustrate me. This is why, because it's all this back and forward of like, damn it, just get it together, people. 
this isn't fair to the other people that are dealing with this. I no, it's no. not. No, but it is what it is. Okay. 2014. Girl, we are almost, we're almost through it. New Year's resolutions. Repair friendship with Sarah. Happiness with Oscar. A job change. Making her mother-in-law like her. And seeing more of her own parents. Oscar surprises Lori with breakfast in bed and a bit of news. He has been promoted at his bank job, but it means traveling out of the country at least three days a week to Brussels. And he's already been doing that, but now this promotion means that it's a little bit more of a permanent fixture. Oscar's mom drops by unexpectedly once while he's out of town, almost like I didn't really get the intention, but it just felt like she wanted to catch Lori doing something wrong or like screwing up as a wife or something not even like an affair but just like anything that she could find to make her like Lori more is how I felt um and mostly like it's something she wasn't approve of and also low-key reminds her that Oscar and his ex work together yeah okay so up to this point I've been kind of feeling bad for Oscar mm-hmm and he really loses brownie points right about now because that is something you disclose. Yes, absolutely. Because she lives in Brussels. Yeah. And he works there now three days a week. And they don't just work for the same company. They're like on the same team. Yeah. So it's and, like close daily interactions. Yeah. And I think that, you, you know, like in some situations like people can do that and that's fine but you still tell that to your partner or spouse you don't yes no you don't just like keep that information to yourself yeah that's not if you think it's irrelevant it's not that is not irrelevant information that is pertinent information that needs to be shared yeah because now that he hasn't shared it makes me think he's keeping something yes agree and that comes up later (laughs) Uh, Jack is feeling more and more at home in Scotland and he has found himself kind of getting on with a lady or two, you know, he's got, he's had a few girlfriends while he's been out and about. Lori and Sarah unexpectedly see each other in person since they're falling out. Sarah wishes her, wishes Lori luck in her next job interview since she's working on getting out of the magazine and the, um, the position that she was writing for before, which I actually thought sounded like a really fun job. She was doing like the teen answers to all of the, what's that called? Like a ask Abby or one of those things, but it was like for teens, how fun, but maybe also a little depressing, but, uh, and so now she's interviewing for a job. That's a similar kind of column, but it's more related to like marriage and weddings and things like that. Uh, And Sarah wishes her luck. At her nephew's birthday, Lori is thankful that they don't have kids quite yet. She's kind of like reflecting on the day of like, God, this is a lot going on in the family. Uh, And Oscar's also not there. So she's like, that would really be a lot. Uh, And then as the party's winding down, she goes to find her dad to give him tea and uh, finds that he has passed away in their family's den or study area where he watches soccer. Football, as I call it. Yeah. This this book has been just highs and lows, honestly. Yeah. Surface level, from the cover, you might think differently, but there's a lot of like really 
different elements of grief. Yes. That you have to process. Yes. Because Jack has lost someone. Lori has lost a sister. I think Jack lost his mom, right? I think it was his dad too. Oh, his dad. Okay. A parent. And then Lori's family lost their sister. Now their dad, but also like the grief of, so with Jack and Sarah, I mean, we knew they weren't super compatible, but at the same time, you can tell that they cared about one another. And I think even though they both knew that they weren't meant to be, you're still processing the grief of losing someone Mm -hmm. after being with them for years. And then you have the grief of a friendship breakup, which I haven't analyzed the data or anything, but I have read like BuzzFeed articles. (laughs) (laughs) about how that can sometimes be worse than just other relationships. I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of grief to process. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there is a lot. And it's, like you said, it's very subtle. You wouldn't think from the cover that all of this like really tragic stuff is happening underneath. But I also think it's partially what draws everyone together so closely too. Yeah. It's like a lot of this trauma bonding in a sense like that's why Sarah and Lori I feel like are so close because Lori sees her as this sister figure that she had once lost and you know same with her and Jack later on when she discusses losing a parent with him yeah uh so as I said Lori actually reaches out to Jack who is with a girlfriend at the time and tells him that her dad has passed away He says that he will take the next train out to see her, something that Oscar should be doing, but he's stuck at his work. Uh, But she tells him that it's okay. She just needed to talk to someone who also understood this type of loss. Sarah and Lori end up fully reconnecting at her father's funeral and agree that they will eventually discuss what happened between the two of them, but that's just not the time or place to do it. Jack is also there and he and Oscar exchange words first kind of friendly and like compassionate of like, hey man, how can I, Oscar talking to Jack, how can I be there for Lori? What can I do? And then it turns a little more threatening when he asks Jack to finally admit that he has feelings for Lori, AKA Oscar's wife. Sarah and Jack also talk where she tells him that she is now officially with Luke and they are planning to head to Australia together, which is where he is from. Jack is happy for her but she also asks Sarah also asks him about his feelings for Lori and with Sarah being the second person that asks him that he's like conversation over <laughs> we, yeah. I'm done here <laughs> Hot topic for the funeral yes he's like this is really not the time or place to be happening yeah uh but also Oscar if you have to ask another man how you should be helping your wife uh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, and I get that maybe, you know, if Oscar hasn't been through that, I could see asking advice, but I could like the, the advice you shouldn't be asking is like, how can I be there? You be there. That's how you you show up, you come home, you don't go on every work trip, you are available and accessible. And if she needs to talk, then you're that person. You don't have to ask somebody how to be there. (laughs) Yep. Uh, so now on to 2015, no resolutions this time, just concentrating on the people that Lori loves. Oscar isn't willing to move his work plans around as Lori heads to Sarah's going away party alone. As 
whole, like, come on, dude. Come, no job is that important that you are missing out on opportunities with friends, your wife's friends, you know, because it's not like, it's not like Sarah is just some, you know, work acquaintance of Lori's. Sarah, as we have said, is basically Lori's sister. And the fact that he's not willing to put things aside to accommodate a going away party for her sister is off-putting. A going away party to a different country. She's not moving to a different town. No. She's moving thousands and thousands of miles away. Yeah. Yep. Lori, again, gives Sarah the bracelet from the wedding. And this time, you know, because it was, that was something that Sarah physically threw back at Lori when she found out all of the crap that happened between her and Jack. Uh, But this time it is treasured and it's kind of this vow that they make that they will always be best friends, no matter what the distance. Sarah, or excuse me, Lori and Jack are seated at the same table for their meal at this going away party with Jack's actress girlfriend, uh, Amanda, who seems to be kind of less than thrilled to be at this party. (laughs) Um, Jack and Lori are both pleased that drinks are flowing because things are a little bit awkward. Uh, However, they still dance together while Amanda steps out to take a call and things become emotional between the two of them. Once again, alcohol is the problem. (laughs) If it wasn't obvious then, it's obvious now. This is the third time that they've had this problem. (laughs) Uh, Lori knows that for the sake of her marriage and well-being, she has to let Jack go. This is also the second time that Jack tells Lori he loves her. Like, maybe as a friend, but obviously we know that this no. uh, So that happens. Sarah leaves, etc. Then, randomly, Lori's mother-in-law calls everyone over to her house to make some sort of announcement. I didn't really get what this party was for. I didn't either. Because it like, I know Lori questioned what it was for, and then we never got to what it was actually about because a bunch of other shit happens. Yeah, it almost seems like a very like a class thing because they come from money, but I didn't understand the purpose of it. No, no, there 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 didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. Uh, so Oscar's ex is also in attendance because uh, I didn't mention this before, but. At Oscar's mother's house, she has a picture of Oscar and his ex-girlfriend still posted on their like family piano center that Lori has full view of every time she goes over there. So clearly the mother-in-law is also not over the ex. Yeah, huge problem. Yes, big problem. So the ex is there in attendance and there's this like weird exchange in the kitchen over some flowers um, between Lori and the ex, um, again, she like reiterates how closely she works with Oscar. And then as Lori's like trying to place this flower arrangement, water spills on the ex. And then she blames Lori for spilling water on her. It was just, it was very odd, like clearly mounting to something else. Um, and this whole exchange between the ex and Lori makes Lori question Oscar's faithfulness to her. So on the drive home from this party that we don't know what it was about, they have a fight um, regarding like how closely he works with her, what they are doing. Um, There is something about a 
Paris arrangement or a French arrangement that comes up, which to me made it sound like you can have people in different countries <laughs> if you want. <laughs> you got people in all these little places, regardless of your marriage. Um, but in the end, they end up choosing each other. And they like make this whole thing of, I choose you. I want to be with you. Forget her. She means nothing to me. Let's be together. The next morning at like 5 a.m., Oscar wakes Lori up saying that they should have a baby together. And let me tell you this right now. A baby will not solve your problems. <laughs> I'm sorry. You do not have that level of a fight the night before and then the next day provide a baby as the solution. Yes. Uh, Oscar's biggest problem is like he can't show up for yes. anything. Um, and, and now you want to propose a baby, but you're never around. Mm -mm. No, thank you. No. Yeah. It sounds like he wants to maybe have a thing with his ex, but still have a definite thing with his wife. And so to save the thing with the wife, he needs to have a baby. I don't know. I know. Yeah. That's I'm, not not, I'm never, I'm never super convinced by him that he doesn't care about his ex. Oh no, I'm not either. In their He's whole crazy. argument, I'm not. Yeah, he doesn't actually say it. Like, mm. well, and then at one point he almost backtracks and is like, "No, I don't think I want to have a thing with her." And she's like, "You don't think? Yeah, <laughs> babe. You should be like, you don't know, you don't want it." <laughs> it also, if she didn't mean anything to him, he would put a stop to his mom's behavior with. Mm -hmm how she keeps the picture up of them. Like he would say something to say, yeah. Hey, this is really inappropriate. She's not in my life. I am married. You need to get rid of this. You don't need to invite her to things. Yeah. And he, even if he's like, yeah, we still work together, but that's it, mom, like let it go, move on. Right. She's not in the picture. Like he would do that if he really felt strongly about it. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. When you are at that level of commitment with someone else, you say something to mm -hmm. that degree. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the baby is how we end 2015. <laughs> 2016 New Year's resolutions, a baby and sobriety to help increase the chances of having this baby. Oscar is very attentive to Lori in their attempts to conceive. But it's almost for a negative because it's so much, he's so attentive and so in tune. Like he's questioning if she's taking her prenatals and what vitamins and what she's eating and what she's drinking and what she's doing. And he's disappointed every time that there is a negative preg pregnancy test. So it's like almost too much pressure and attention around this one little fact that she really doesn't have a lot of control over. I also, yeah, so a lot of pressure when she can't control it, but also him being disappointed, I, I almost felt like he never really cared about how she was feeling right. in that moment. He's very quick to express how he feels, uh, but doesn't really take into account how she might feel in those moments. Yeah. I will say, to the author's credit, I don't think that she really expresses how Lori feels in those moments either. Like, I don't, I don't think we know until eventually, like if she's relieved, if she's also disappointed, if she, you know, what, what her thoughts are. Uh, Jack and Amanda, his girlfriend, have made a beautiful trip to the Arctic 
where she assumes that Jack is going to propose, but he doesn't. Shocker. Oscar surprises Lori one night in June with news that he has been promoted once again. Um, but this time they have asked him to move to Brussels full time. So it's not just traveling three days a week. It would be full time commitment. Lori is not on board. Uh, baby or no baby, she does not want to uproot her life. She does not want to uproot her work. London is her home. This is where her mom is. When she does have a baby, she wants her mom to be close to her. And it just, this is not what she wants to do. I think Oscar was also even trying to say like, you won't need to work. This promotion will cover everything. And she's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do in a country where I don't know anybody with this new baby and I have no help? <laughs> and he just assumes, he just assumes yeah. that it's fine and they're going to uproot everything and move to Brussels full time. Yeah. And so to some degree, like I was also kind of battling even this because I do think that maybe in healthier relationships, this, this is exciting and it is difficult to think of leaving your friends and your roots and your family, but sometimes you do have to bite the bullet and go because there's also always the opportunity to come back. But I think it's just really obvious where their relationship is at when immediately she's like, no, I don't want to go. I don't yeah. want to go. That's a good point. I also think that his approach to just their entire work relation or like their relationship and his job, mm -hmm. it kind of set it up to be that way. Yeah. Um, because normally things like that would, it would be more of a discussion. Jared would never come home and be like, Brie, I took a job in California. Right. We're moving. And right. because I would be like, I'm sorry, no what are you talking about what are, what like he would just never come home and assume something like that and so I can see where Lori ultimately feels like defensive already because the, it's never been a conversation or a discussion between them even leading up to this true yeah for him it's always like surprise I got a promotion I'll be gone three days a week now and she's like wait what yeah like, congratulations but what and now it's like surprise, we have to move. And yeah, so yeah, to your point, it has never been a discussion. It's always been her, it's always been him telling her what they are going to do with their life and how that's going to look. Yeah. Uh, Lori asks if there's any chance that he can continue to work from London, maybe take his promotion, but bring it back home. He says he'll try, but she realizes pretty quickly that this is not at all the man that she met in Thailand. And it's, it's not the man that she wants to be married to now. Uh, one night her period is late and Oscar is in Brussels. So she calls Sarah to kind of walk her through this pregnancy test. Like, I think she doesn't want to take it because she's scared of what the results will be. Um, when Oscar returns that night, it's official that he has accepted his new position. And it's also official that their relationship is ending. Lori is not pregnant. And this time it feels like a huge relief knowing that his job was going to take them somewhere that she didn't want to go. It just felt like a relief to her to not be pregnant. Sarah sends Jack a message that Lori and Oscar have broken up and encourage him to call her. So he reaches out to Lori, but Lori replies that she just isn't up for it yet, and she'll call him when she's ready. Lori then books herself a singles trip, just, a, you know, another solo trip, 
where she meets another woman who is also, also recently separated from her husband and they find strength in each other to take off their wedding bands together in a sign of solitude. <laughs> okay, it sounds funny when you say it like that, but that scene is very, for whatever reason, just sticks out so visually to me when I'm reading it. You can just see the both of them sitting there twisting their wedding bands coincidentally these two people in similar situations have like ended up and are now somewhat confiding in one another yes um it was just a very very like visual I could really picture what was happening in that specific scene yes I I agree and I also I love how much emphasis is put on like the female relationships in this book even if it's just a brief moment like that because Lori didn't run to Jack. She found solitude in this other woman who's also going through a similar situation. Yeah, huge respect for her. When he reaches out and she says, I'm just not ready to talk, that was a, a big, and guaranteed, like, I, it's true, and I would say right, but it's not like she just ran to him and jumped right into his arms or right. anything like that. Like, again, she's grieving her marriage and it's not like you can tell that she never went into that relationship like she was committed to it and Mm -hmm. wanted to make it work but didn't and now she's processing that yes finally in December Amanda who's Jack's girlfriend is practically begging for an engagement ring but it is not a commitment that Jack is willing to make to her and they ultimately break up. So now we have, at the end of 2016, single Jack and single Lori. What will happen next? They're finally (laughs) both single. Yes. 2017 New Year's resolutions. Find new living accommodations, figure out job situation, and swim rather than just stay afloat. So Lori's trying to get a handle back on her life. Progress. Yes. Jack has received some birthday sex from one of the singers he's been working with. And Sarah and Luke send him a birthday text. And he also receives one from Lori. He decides that after seeing this text from Sarah and Luke, that he wants the kind of love that Sarah and Luke has. And he's reflected enough within himself to realize that he and Sarah did not have that kind of relationship. And he wants what she has now. And Ultimately, he realizes he wants that to be with Lori, one way or another. Lori goes to visit Sarah and Luke in Australia, and Sarah is pregnant. They were going to get married, but they got pregnant instead, so wedding is on pause for now. Sarah reminds Lori that there is someone she belongs with as they rehash some of the things that happened in the past, and it's obvious that Sarah's clearly forgiven Lori for what happened, and It's also obvious to Sarah that maybe they were meant to be together all along. So she brings up Jack, obviously. Jack is working on being single and finding contentment within that. I think there was a moment at a bar where he's like being greeted by these beautiful women and he's like, nah, dude, I'm I'm just going to be happy by myself for now. In December again, Lori is baking a cake and drinking alcohol when (laughs) she decides to call in to the radio show that Jack is hosting in Scotland. 
She calls herself Rhonda and reveals her love for Jack, basically stating and rehashing everything from their first glance at this bus stop all the way through the relationship that they've had, even their friendship. I just wish she'd picked a different name. I know, not freaking Rhonda. <laughs> I just, yeah. It, Go ahead. It, it, it just makes me think a new girl with the Rhonda episode. Yes. Oh <laughs> my just gosh. Rhonda. <laughs> Oh, that I did not even think of that until you said that. That's hilarious. Like almost any other name. I just it, didn't yeah. like, I did not like Rhonda. I did not like Rhonda, especially because it like starts trending and it's like Jack and Rhonda. I'm like, no, that doesn't sound good no. either. <laughs> uh, Jack pretty quickly realizes that it's Lori that has called in and she, as soon as she gets done talking to him through the radio station, she makes plans to immediately go and find him in Scotland. Sarah gifted her the present of a one-way ticket to Scotland and she sets off to finally connect with the love of her life. Jack's office and the cab driver that take Lori to his studio all work together to bring Rhonda aka Lori inside and as she walks in Jack's admin adds a little bit of tinsel to her hair which is something that she had in her hair the first time that they saw each other at the bus stop. Finally the two are united and express their love for each other promising to never leave the other and everything is right. Merry Christmas (laughs) and a happy new year and a happy new year. Okay so cute. I love that everybody got their happy ending. Even yes. Sarah and Luke and like Jack and Sarah are friends and everybody's friends and we all came together. Except for Oscar. We don't know what he's doing. He's probably with his ex. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really care about that because it was... <laughs> <laughs> we didn't care how he ended up. <laughs> and even Lori's like, he'll probably end up with his ex and that is what it is. Yeah. And that sucks, but <sighs> We didn't need to know his happy ending. He he chose business over people, and that's his path. So, yep. but everybody else, everyone else did a great job. A happy ending, and I I loved it. Okay, reviews. I'll Love jump right in. Give okay. you a break. Um, so. I said, grab a cozy blanket, light a candle, and hopefully you live somewhere where it snows so that you can dive right in to this book. Even though it starts off a little cheesy, even for my case, like I said, I was still sucked right in. I I don't really care. Like the cheesiness just doesn't bother me. I, I'll still, I'm still committed. And so I did. I would just love the story and the characters. And I will say that that initial level of cheesiness off the top definitely did not stay throughout because as we've said there are definitely some deeper elements to this story so at face value or just looking at the cover you might think that there are really just stereotypical tropes and to an extent sure like it is a holiday romance you kind of know what you're expecting but I did love how layered the story truly was I like that it covered just this incredible length of time all of the friendship dynamics I mean the work struggles between all of the different characters and what they're going through family and all of the what if in air quotes things 
that could have happened if they'd been different. Even though I was expecting a happy ending, but then I also said I have learned my lesson in this department because uh, last holiday season, I did pick up a book that is green and red. It literally has December in it and you think it's going to be this holiday romance. And then I sobbed so unbelievably hard because it is not a book to read when you're looking for just a feel-good holiday cozy read. And so I have learned my lesson in that department that sometimes things uh, are not that way. It was really brutal. I'd even like, (laughs) side note, Jared and I had gone out on like a planned date night and we got back and I go, hey, I just have a couple of chapters left in this book. And then like, I was like, and then we can watch a movie, like have some wine, whatever. And I was ugly crying in the bedroom, like uncontrollably. So I've learned my lesson sometimes, you know, so anyway, I was expecting it, but part of me was also like, oh, like, be careful though. You've been burned before. So I still found myself anxiously wondering like how this was all going to come together. I mean, how are they going to repair their friendship? How are Jack and Lori ultimately going to get together? How is Lori going to end her relationship and now marriage with Oscar? Like, oh my. So I loved all of that. I loved the ending. Eventually we got our happy ending, which I'm here for. And I would highly recommend it for your holiday reads because it's not going to make you sob like the other one did. I love that you mentioned like the length of time that it covered, because I also feel like it covers a lot of highs and lows that just normal everyday relationships go through as well. You know, like Mm -hmm. you kind of have a falling out with your friend, but then you come back and, you know, same with your relationship. So I, I'm glad that you touched on that because it's so true. Like nine years is a long time and a lot happens. Yeah. 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 I really did. I like that aspect of the story, even though you're kind of thinking, wow, it took them nine years to figure this out. But I liked that aspect of it. Yes. And it's obvious that they like grew individually and in their friendship over nine years as well. So I think that probably helped to solidify their ultimate relationship in the end. Definitely. Um, so I said, and I already said this, when I was first getting into this novel, I told you that I felt I would get very frustrated with the characters and their choices, meaning that I was worried it would be one misstep after another before everyone truly realized their feelings. And that part is fairly accurate. There are a lot of missteps going on. Um, However, I did not get frustrated with the novel and found myself really rooting and cheering for Jack and Lori. Like you just want them to be together so bad. It's obvious that they have immediate chemistry from the moment they saw each other it's not just a one-way street. It's it's both ways. Um, this definitely had some, in my opinion, like love actually vibes as well. Like you get a lot of that, like pining after your best friend's girlfriend, that kind of whole thing, which wasn't the best, but that's okay. Um, but it, it also is a story of its own that spans longer than just a holiday. You know, like this is not just a Christmas time story. This is entire years worth of content. Um, it was you know, years of love and commitment to friendships before then finally expanding it further. Um, I feel like Josie Silver really captured how hard each character works to try to keep things on the right path too. like immediately recognizing the wrong, at least with Jack and Lori of like, 
we kissed, we messed up. We're never doing that again. And like trying to, you know, separate that from their relationship with Sarah and even like some things with Oscar, I feel like he was just trying to do the right thing. And maybe in his head, like getting the promotion and working hard for his family was the right thing, but it just wasn't right for his relationship. Not that I'm rooting for him, but just, I could see where he's coming from. Um, this novel gives all the feel-good thoughts that you want to have around the holidays, and I was all in. I I devoured this book. So yay! I'm so yay. glad you did. Yes. E. Um, just in so, the holiday spirit this year. Yes, it's. I mean, it's just such a good. It's just a good one. Okay, so a couple of other um, books, as I mentioned before, by Josie Silver. Um, so the other New York Times bestseller she has is The Two Lives of Lydia Bird. Um, she also has One Night on the Island and A Winter in New York. So if you liked One Day in December, you might just like to read these other three. And what is our next book, Brie? Our last one of the year. Our last deep dive book of the year, which is crazy. So we're staying in London. <laughs> London, we're staying around the holidays. <laughs> yeah, we're going to stay in the holiday theme. Um, so we are going to be reading this time next year by Sophie Cousins. That's how I've been saying her last okay. name. <laughs> cool. So um, a bit of a New Year's theme, but still very holiday-esque. And like we said, apparently they all happen in London. So yeah. Who knew that London was the romantic winter hotspot? <laughs> it sure is. So last narrative and last nightcap of the year. Yes. Okay, till then. Cheers. Cheers.